You're looking good today. You look good. Oh, well, gosh, thank you. <laughs> Nobody's ever said that to me before. Thank you. Wow. So I have a question for you. In a group this size, I would imagine some of you might have allergies. Is anybody allergic to anything? When I was a kid, you don't have to tell me what it, what it is, but I'll tell you what it was for me. When I was a kid, I was tested, and I found out I was allergic to all kinds of stuff. But fortunately, I was allergic to things you hardly ever come across. I was allergic to things like grass, <laughs> house dust, feathers. At the time we raised pigeons, I had dozens of pigeons, and they all had lots of feathers. I was even allergic to my dog. Probably, if we were honest, I won't ask you to raise your hand for this, but probably in a group this size, we'd probably also say most of us are allergic to certain words. There are words that just set off an uncomfortable reaction in our bodies, like the word obey. Anybody allergic to the word obey? Obey is a command. It means, do what I say. Submit to my authority. Yes, human beings, we don't like to submit to somebody else's authority. That's why, for example, when we see a speed limit sign, we don't really look at that as a law to obey. We think of it more as a suggestion. <laughs> when we're in the mood, follow it if we feel like it. We've seen in the book of Deuteronomy how the people of Israel really struggled to obey the laws of God. And I wonder how you and I would rate our own success at obeying the laws of God. How are we doing at obeying God? It just so happens that our passage today is going to challenge us to answer that question. Let's pray. Lord, we, we come to your your beautiful church that you've given us, a glorious day outside. It's even prettier inside. The people here today, we're just, just here to worship you, to love each other. Um, what a privilege we have now. We, we get to sing praises to you, and now you get to speak to us through your word. And I, I pray, Father, you know, we have so many things in our hearts and minds that distract us all the time, and um, sometimes we think things are more important than listening to you. But I pray today for this next half hour, we could push other things aside so we could just give our ears and our hearts to you. Let's give you our full attention. Speak to us now, Lord. Share your truth with us so that it would impact our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We are in chapter 4, Deuteronomy. We're going to cover the first 24 verses of chapter 4. Bruce covered all of chapter 3 last week, but there's no way in the world I'm going to cover a whole chapter. So I'm just doing 24 verses. God, fortunately for us, God understands. God knows that learning to obey him is a lifelong process for us. God knows that we're going to make a lot of mistakes. I don't know if you ever make mistakes. I do. So... The thing is, for you and I, God wants us to learn from our mistakes. Because if we don't learn from our mistakes, we just will keep falling into the same traps over and over again, just like the children of Israel did. The people of Israel spent 40 years 
for decades, wandering through the wilderness until that entire disobedient generation died. And then a new generation came up and they had learned to obey the Lord. And so now they were finally ready, we find in the book of Deuteronomy. They're finally right there at the border, ready to enter the promised land. And Moses loved these people so much, you know what he did? Moses gathered them together and he wanted to make sure they understood that now that they were walking with the Lord, now that God was blessing them, that did not mean that the people were bulletproof, that they would never fall into sin and temptation again. Moses really wanted them to understand that. About 1,500 years after Moses, the apostle Paul wrote this. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians, he said, therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed, be careful that he does not fall. Self-confidence is nice. Self-confidence is good. But we have to be careful not to feel so self-confident that we lower our defenses and we think, oh, I got this. I'm fine. I won't stumble and fall because then we stumble and we fall. Proverbs 16:18 says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before stumbling. So we have Moses in the book of Deuteronomy. We have the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians. We have King Solomon in Proverbs all telling us something really important. And they're telling us that you and I are in danger of tripping and falling into sin every second of every day. All the time we're in danger. All the time. We can never let our guard down. In the history of war, how many battles have been lost when one army thought, well, the enemy will never attack me here? In the opening chapters of the book of Deuteronomy, we find, you've probably noticed this, Moses just keeps on reminding them over and over and over again of their past mistakes and their past failures. Why does he do that? Is he trying to be annoying? He's reminding them. He's reminding us we have to remember the past. We have to remember how we failed before so we don't do it again. We can't let our guard down, especially where temptation and sin are concerned. So let's look how Moses starts our chapter. Chapter 4, verse 1. Look at this. Moses starts by saying, Now, O Israel, listen. If Moses was talking today, he would be saying, Now, O church, listen. Now, O Christian, listen. Listen to what? Listen to the statutes and the judgments. This means listen to God's laws. Listen to God's commandments, which I am teaching you to perform so that you may live and go in and take possession of the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. Do you see that phrase, teaching you to perform? I hope you see it, because it's important. The phrase, teaching you to perform, is the key to this chapter. It's also the key to the entire book of Deuteronomy. It's also the key to the entire Bible. And it's also the key to your life and my life. Teaching you to perform means teaching you to obey. God gives us his word to learn to obey. This is what Moses is basically telling us in chapter 1, verse 1, chapter 4. He's saying, now, Christian, listen. God did not give you his word to read or to hear. God gave you his word to obey. Changes it a little bit when we realize God didn't just give us his word so we would know something. God gave us his word so we would do something. If God's word is not changing your life and my life, if God's word is not changing how we think and changing how we behave, then we're not listening. We might be listening with our ears, but we're not listening with our hearts. Moses told the people they need to hear and obey 
so that they can live, so they can go in and take possession of that blessed land, those promises that God had for them. That's why you obeyed. However, our, our human ego, our enemy Satan, and Frank Sinatra try to convince us that the best way to go in life is my way. Some of you got that. Some of, some of you will have to explain it to the younger people in the audience. But God promises that his way is always best, his way is always right, and his way is always blessed. Albert Einstein is credited for saying this. I'm sure you've heard this. But Albert Einstein said, the definition of insanity, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting different results. Einstein said it's, in, it's insane to keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, but expecting a different result. I think insanity helps explain our human spiritual condition. We keep disobeying God over and over again, as if, by golly, this time our sinful decision is really going to be to our benefit. But it never is. It's never to our benefit, and it never will be to our benefit. Moses explains why God's way is always right. Because the commands do not come from Moses. They don't come from human thinking. The commands we get from God come from God's infinite love and God's infinite wisdom, and they are authorized by God's sovereign power. This means, for you and I, if you're taking notes, this would be a good note to take. The smartest, the most practical, and the most rewarding thing that you and I can do is obey God. Think about that. You want to be really smart? You want to be really practical? You want to do the most rewarding thing you can do in life? Obey God. Centuries after Moses, Jesus said, you know this passage, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe. That means teaching them to obey all, all, everything that I've commanded you. So in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, the message is the same. The Lord commands us to learn how to obey everything he says. Obey everything. Obey it all. Okay, a vital part, a key part of you and I learning to obey God's word is learning what God said. We have to know what God said, which means we have to be really careful not to add anything to it or take anything away so we know exactly what God has said. Let's, let's look at verse 2. You shall not add to the word which I am commanding you, nor take away from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. We add, we add to God's word anytime we distort it or twist it to make it say what we want it to say. Anytime we think our thoughts are equal to God's thoughts and we teach the word that way, we're adding to his word. We take away from God's word when we treat any part of it as being unimportant. If we treat any part of God's word as being unimportant, we're taking away. This same warning we read here in, in verse 2 at the front of the Bible is repeated at the end of the Bible. In, in the book of Revelation, Revelation 22 says, I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues which are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city which are written in this book. So you know what we, we need to understand? This is simple, but it's also sort of profound at the same time. God is perfect. God's word is perfect. 
Therefore, God requires no editorial assistance from us. God does not need us to add or subtract anything. We just need to know what God has said so we can obey it. Now, just in case any of us are not clear on the difference between disobeying God and obeying God, if we're not clear on what the difference of that is, Moses is going to give us a very convincing example in the next two verses. Let's read verse 3 and 4 together. Moses says, your eyes have seen. In other words, you were eyewitnesses to this. Your eyes have seen what the Lord has done in the case of Baal Peor. For all the men who followed Baal Peor, the Lord your God has destroyed them from among you. They're all dead. But you who held fast to the Lord your God are alive today. Every one of you. Baal Peor, or the Baal of Peor, was a local god worshipped by the Moabites. When the men of Israel came near Peor, some of them fell into immorality and idolatry with the women of Moab. All the men, all the men that decided to disobey the Lord must have thought whatever they do in Moab stays in Moab. Must have been what they thought. But actually they did stay in Moab. They stayed six feet under because every single one of them had sinned, paid for their sin with their lives. What an expensive lesson in disobedience. But all the men that chose to obey the Lord, all the men that chose to reject the temptations of Moab, they were alive, they were well, and every single one of them was ready to come in and receive the full blessing that God had for them. What a blessed lesson in obedience. So why do we care about the events of Beth Peor? It's a long time ago. Well, it's good for us to remember that sexual temptation is still Satan's, one of Satan's key weapons that he uses to take down really good people. Let's read on, verses 5 to 8. Moses says, See, I have taught you the statutes and judgments, just as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do thus in the land where you are entering to possess it. Verse 6, So keep and do them. That's pretty clear, right? Keep them and do them. Obey them, in other words. For that is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statues and say, Surely, this, this is a great nation, is wise and understanding people. For what nation is there that has a God so near to it as is the Lord our God whenever we call on him? Or what great nation is there that has statutes and judgments as righteous as this whole law which I am setting before you today? If you were here last week, you saw Bruce Cook beautifully cover this same idea. He showed us that our obedience is a living testimony to those around us. Our obedience to God, do you think about that? Is a living example, a living testimony to those around us. So when we obey God or when we disobey God, that decision affects other people, other people than ourselves. Psalm 31.19 says this, speaking to the Lord, the psalmist says, How great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you. To fear God means to be in awe of God. It means to want to obey God. So the psalmist is saying, How great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who are in awe of you and want to obey you, which you have wrought for those who take refuge in you before the sons of men. This means God loves, God loves to bless us in front of the eyes of the world. God loves to lavish his blessings on us in front of all those who are watching us. God blesses our obedience not only for our sakes, 
but for the sakes of everyone else that are watch, is watching us to realize how faithful and good our Lord is. This passage, this whole topic, reminds me of something I heard from my pastor 30, maybe 40 years ago or more. It's going to be on the screen. My pastor said, we have no idea how many people may be in heaven because of something they saw us do in obedience to God. Likewise, we have no idea who might never come to Christ because of something they saw us do in disobedience to God. That's heavy. That's a big statement for us to think about. Powerful words. I've never forgotten them. Probably none of us should. Never forgotten. Verse 9. Only give heed to yourself and keep your soul diligently so that you do not forget the things which your eyes have seen and they do not depart from your heart all the days of your life, but make them known to your sons and your grandsons. Have you, have you ever found yourself involved in some sin and you wondered, how in the world did I get here again? Probably never happens to you. But if it did, ever find yourself just involved in some area of sin and you think, how in the world did I get here again? Even when we're walking with the Lord, even when we're sitting in church, we must give heed to ourselves. That means pay attention. Pay attention to what? We have to pay attention to what we're thinking right now. We have to pay attention to what we're doing. Why? Because we have to keep our soul diligently. That means we have to keep our guard up. Why? Because we don't want to forget what God has said and what God has done. Here's a fact of life for the believer. We always get into trouble when we forget what God has shown us and told us. We always get into a place we don't belong when we forget we forget what God has shown us and told us. As the saying goes, you might have heard also, you and I need to be reminded more often than we need to be taught. We need to be reminded much more often than we need to be taught. Why? Why do we need to be reminded all the time? Well, if your memory is anything like mine, if you have a memory bucket like mine, it's full of holes. And stuff is leaking out of our memories all the time. I don't really understand why certain stuff sticks in there. Usually the stuff that does us no good at all stays in our memory. But the stuff we need to know, especially the stuff we need to know about God, seems to come in, sit there for a moment, you go, oh, that was a really good message, or that was a really good passage. What was the passage? What was the message? And it's gone. Every generation, every generation needs to be trained in the Word of God and taught to remember the Word of God, every generation. We're never too old, we're never too young to be taught to learn and remember the Word of God. Moses is now going to share another memory with us in the next three verses. Let's read 10 to 13 together. He says, Remember, the day you stood before the Lord, your God at Horeb, that's Mount Sinai, when the Lord said to me, Assemble the people to me, before me, that I may let them hear my words so they may learn to fear me all the days they live on the earth and that they may teach their children. You came near and stood at the foot of the mountain, and the mountain burned with fire to the very heart of the heavens, darkness, cloud, and thick gloom. Then the Lord spoke to you from the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of words, but you saw no form, only a voice. 
So he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform. He commanded you to obey. That is, the Ten Commandments. And he wrote them on two tablets of stone. Wouldn't you love to hear God speak? Wouldn't you love to hear God speak? Do you think God has an accent? Like a heavenly accent? Not like an earthly accent. Do you think there's an accent in heaven? Do you think God has an accent? I think of these things sometimes. Probably shouldn't share them. If you and I were standing together at Mount Sinai with the children of Israel, and we saw the entire mountain on fire, and we heard God's voice booming out of that fire, do you think we'd pay attention? Do you think we'd listen? Do you think we'd take this word seriously? Do you think we'd obey? How about today? Sorry, no fire, no booming voice, but we have his word. We have exactly what God said. Do we take it seriously? Do we listen to what God says? To obey? Let's read on, verses 14 to 19. Moses says, The Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and judgments that you might perform. There it is again. That you might obey. Obey them in the land where you are going to, over to possess it. So watch yourselves carefully. Since you did not see any form on the day the Lord spoke to you at Horeb from the midst of the fire so that you do not act corruptly and make a graven image for yourself in the form of any figure, the likeness of a male or female, the likeness of any animal that is on the earth, the likeness of any winged bird that flies in the sky, the likeness of anything that creeps on the ground, the likeness of any fish that is in the water below the earth. God gives us very clear commands, doesn't he? Verse 19, And beware not to lift your eyes to the heavens, and see the sun and the moon and the stars, all the host of heaven, and be drawn away and worship them and serve them, those which the Lord your God has allotted to all peoples under the whole heaven. This passage tells us to watch ourselves carefully again, but this time for a little bit different reason. This time we have to watch ourselves very carefully so that we don't form wrong ideas about God. We have to pay attention that we don't get wrong ideas about God. You and I have to be careful to worship God exactly as he's revealed in Scripture. Not in our heads, but in the Word of God. We need to be careful. It's so easy for false ideas to slip into our minds. I imagine right now if we stopped and we all took an inventory of our brains, it wouldn't be very fun, but if we did that, we probably, all of us, would find some little things in there about God that are not true, but we're hanging on to them because we've heard them somewhere and they're not really true about God. If we're not careful, we can start thinking about God instead of the way he's revealed in Scripture. We can start thinking about God according to popular opinion or our personal preferences or just according to our traditions. Do you know, by the way, what it's called when we make up our own ideas about God? Do you know what it's called when we make up our own ideas about God? The Bible has a word for it. The word is adult, idolatry. It's called idolatry. People today might not make idols out of gold or stone or wood like they did in Moses' time, but an idol that we make in our heart or an idol that we make in our mind is still an idol. It is still a false god. Idols have absolutely no power to help us in any way. But look at what God can do in verse 20. Verse 20 says, But the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace from Egypt to be a people for his own possession as today. Wow. 
It took the power of God to rescue the people of Israel from Egypt, just as it took the power of God to rescue you and I from our slavery to sin. One commentary put it this way, said, God did not save us so we could go do our own thing. God saved us so we could do his thing. We are his possession. God bought our freedom from sin at the highest price he could possibly pay. God did not shop for us on a discount. God paid the highest price for you and me as he could possibly pay. He paid with his own precious blood. That's how much he loves us. That's how much God loves you and I. We are his precious, we are his priceless possession. Think about that the next time you look in the mirror. You are God's priceless possession. How can we not want to obey the Lord our God? Bruce showed us this last week in chapter 4, in chapter, in chapter 3, and here in chapter 4 again, Moses uses his own failure as a lesson for all of us. Look at verses 21 to 22. Moses says, Now the Lord was angry, angry with me on your account and swore that I would not cross the Jordan and that I would not enter the good land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. For I will die in this land. I shall not cross the Jordan, but you shall cross and take possession of this good land. As Bruce showed us last week, Moses was God's representative to the people. And Moses used himself to prove that no one, no one is above God's law. No one is above God's law. Moses, this magnificent leader, this magnificent servant of God, stood in front of everyone and said, I disobeyed God. I disobeyed God, so I will not be crossing the Jordan with you. But you're going to be just fine. You are going to be fine under new leadership as long as you continue to obey the Lord. I don't, I don't know if you thought this. You probably did. It was the first thing I thought of when I read this passage. It probably went through your mind too. But if a man like Moses can fail, how much more do you and I need to really be on our toes, be on our guard? In fact, Moses addresses this in the next two verses. Let's look. Verses 23 to 24, Moses' advice. Right after saying that he failed, he says, so watch yourselves. Here it is again. Be alert that you do not forget the covenant the Lord your God, which, uh, the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you. And make for yourselves a graven image in the form of anything against which the Lord your God has commanded you. Why? Verse 24. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. 24 verses we've covered. Do we get the point? I hope. <laughs> we need to obey. We need to watch ourselves carefully. We need to be alert. We need to pay attention. We need to be on our guard so we don't forget. We don't forget what God has told us. Our forgetfulness is the root of our disobedience. Have you ever thought about that? Yeah, I know we have a sin nature. I know that we have an enemy, Satan. I, I know that's true also. But our forgetfulness to God's word is the root cause for us to fall into disobedience. We're just not thinking. One commentary said it like this. I liked it very much. He said, care and caution and holy watchfulness are the best helps against a bad memory. So if you have a laser-sharp memory today, then you have nothing to worry about. 
But if you're like the rest of us, you have something to worry about. And watchfulness and care and caution are the best helps with your bad memory and mine. So how do, how do you remember things that you need to remember? What do you do? Do you, do you put a reminder on your phone? Do you do that if you have to remember something? Do you make a post-it note? you write it on a post-it note and put it somewhere where you'll see it? Let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 11. Because Moses actually gives us some ways to remember the word of the Lord. He gives us some visual aids. Something we should go home and try. I'm going to read to you from the New Living Translation. So I'll read that to you while you follow along in, in the version you have. But this is how Moses says to remember the word of the God. He says, so commit yourselves wholeheartedly. That's the start. Be all in. Commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words of mine. Tie them to your hands. And wear them on your forehead as a reminder. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates and on your cell phones and on your post-it notes. I added the cell phones in the post-it notes part. Verse 21, so that as long as the sky remains above the earth, that's a long time, you and your children may flourish, flourish in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors. We flourish. We fail when we forget. We flourish when we remember God's word. So, whatever you and I have to do, whatever you and I have to do to remember God's word, it's well worth the effort. Did you notice how Moses described God in verse 24? You know, we like to, we like to hear that God is a friendly God. God's a God of love. God's a God of mercy, and he is. But he's also what Moses said in verse 24, that God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. How can God be jealous? Isn't jealousy a sin? Yeah, jealousy is a sin. It's a sin for people that we commit when we are resentful over something that somebody else has. But when Moses says the Lord your God is a jealous God, he means this. It'll be on the screen because it's important for us to understand. The Lord deserves and the Lord expects our full devotion. Our worship and our obedience belongs to God. It's his. Therefore, he is right to demand it. I know it's wonderful when we get to come in with our wonderful worship team and we get to sing to the Lord. That's fantastic. But do we understand our worship belongs to God? And it's wonderful when we obey the Lord, when we choose to do something to honor God, to glorify God in our obedience. That's fantastic. But do we realize our obedience belongs to him? God does not require and God does not deserve anything less than our full devotion and complete obedience. Bill, you want to bring your team up? Moses spoke these words to people that were on the threshold of entering the promised land. Just like Moses spoke these words to you and I on the threshold of whatever God has for us. And God is saying to you and I this morning, now, O Christian, listen. Listen to the word of the Lord. Devote your life. Devote your life to learning God's word. Devote your life to remembering God's word. And devote your life to obeying God's word. Big task. Our prayer team will be over here to pray with you at the end of the service. We're going to have communion in a moment, but I'd like to end this 
part of our service with prayer. Please pray, pray with me. Lord, when we consider how great you are, how much you love us, how you have freed us from the power and penalty of our sin, how you have blessed our lives and answered our prayers and carried us through the most difficult circumstances, Father. When we consider all that you are and all that you've done, how can we offer you anything less than our whole hearts and humble obedience? Father, we're surrounded by temptations all the time. We can be so weak. We can be so forgetful. Please help us realize we can never let our guard down. Help us hold tightly to you and to your, to your word we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.